Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? And more to be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of More to Be and host of the More to Be podcast. I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. On today's episode, we're calling this a bonus episode because we don't know where exactly it's going to slide in. Right. But, right. And so Kaylee is here with us again today. Kaylee, go ahead and say hello. <laughs> so we hey. know you there. It's good to be here. I, this is such an important topic. And I think that's why, you know, as you and I have talked back and forth, where we decided we just really needed to fit this in somewhere because um, we've personally had experiences with it. And I see the effect on the girls I work with every day. And I think just in society in general, I've heard so many other reports about anxiety and just its rise in society. And so we just want to be able to help our listeners to to deal with this and to cope with this this major, what I want to even say, like a crisis, you know? Yeah, I would. So in case you all didn't hear what she just said, we're going to talk about anxiety today yeah. and yeah. we're going to look at it from every perspective because we've covered it once in our podcast uh, during season two with Jessica Smart and she shared her story of being diagnosed with anxiety and the kind of the process that she went through. I shared a little bit of what was going on in our family with permission, of course, from my family. And so today's episode is going to kind of be a hybrid of looking at the biblical perspective of what to do with our thoughts and our, our anxiousness Mm-hmm. but also taking a very holistic approach of what else can we do to uh, live out what God promises us in the full life he wants to give us and kind of battle anxiety head on, whether it's our individual struggle or uh, as we're going to probably title this episode is when anxiety comes to your home, because uh, oftentimes there is a strain on the family members when somebody within that family unit is struggling with anxiety and you kind of don't know, is this a like, come on, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and press on here. You can, you can do this, just be stronger. Or is this a, Oh, that ain't going to work. We need to use some other strategies to deal with our anxiousness. Right. Well, and I think the natural tendency, I mean, we want to fix things. You know, Mm -hmm. we, we want to, take care of the people that we love and we want them to be whole and happy. And so when it hits, it is easy to just kind of be like, well, it's all going to be fine. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Just, just smile and just smile doesn't work. And that's why I I want us to share from the standpoint, because these tips will help somebody who's struggling with anxiety. But I hope also anybody who's listening that knows somebody with anxiety, or yes, if it's directly in your home, that there's a different level of compassion, number one. And number two, that this would help you to be able to give them resources or mm-hmm. to to kind of form a toolbox that you can say, you know, let's try this. And to be able to walk with them beside them and know a little bit more of what to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. And so I kind of wanted to kick off with some stats, like just to kind of demystify what anxiety is, because we're still in a culture where there there's, I would say half of the generations on the planet still feel like anything that is mental health related is something you don't talk about, you don't get help for. Yeah. And, and so we, as the younger half of that 
you know, older generation um, are, are kind of tasked with the responsibility of what we're going to do about this. Are we going to step out of what we were taught and move into truth in terms of caring for ourselves mm-hmm. and, and each other? And so this, this information that I'm going to relay right now comes from the ADAA.org uh, website, which is the mm-hmm. Anxiety and Depression Association of America. And it's a place that I continually return back to to kind of get perspective on. Right. So this is the good news. Anxiety disorders are highly treatable, uh, but only 36.9% of those suffering receive treatment. That's staggering. It's staggering because, you know, if it was a cold or a, you know, some sort of like familiar illness, we would go to the doctor for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the other statistic is that, um, mental anxiety disorder falls in the camp of obviously mental illness, and it affects 40 million adults in the United States age 18 and older, hmm. which is equal to about 18% of the population, wow. which doesn't, you know, that's an astronomical number, but if 18% of the population, only 36% of those people are seeking treatment, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people suffering. Mm-hmm. And trying to do jobs and marriages and parenting and and all of it from a place of just kind of emotionally handicapped because of their yeah. struggle. Um, so uh, here is the interesting thing is that anxiety and depression, which is kind of considered as as one of those things. Um, it's here's what they say on this website common common for someone with an anxiety disorder to also suffer from depression or vice versa. Nearly one half of those diagnosed with depression are also diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. Hmm. And so when you start to think about how the statistics are on the rise of suicide in the US and Mm -hmm. suicide is linked to depression, and then you kind of wonder if if you trace it back where did anxiety kind of play a role in that person's story? And if that was the part that was treated, could that be just another way of minimizing those who are suffering with depression and who are suicidal? Sure. So um, there are these other, there are lots of names for anxiety disorders. I'm just going to read a bunch of them. Uh, Generalized anxiety disorder, which is really what we're going to be talking about today. Panic disorder, Uh, social anxiety disorder, uh, specific phobias uh, that can, symptoms typically begin in childhood. The average onset is age seven, and Mm -hmm. that would include uh, OCD behavior and PTSD, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, which are very closely related to just a straight-up anxiety disorder and kind of sometimes can't see it. Um, OCD which affects 2.2 million adults, about 1% of the population. It's equally common amongst men and women. And the average age of onset is 19, Mm. which I find fascinating because I think when we deal with that kind of OCD challenge and then it manifests as some anxiety issue, it's, it's likely or potential that while that child was living at home, the family unit, the the parents, the guardians were helping that child cope. And it's only when they, you know, begin to move into adulthood, they're having trouble coping with their anxious thoughts. And then it's manifests into kind of this OCD behavior. Mm. Post-traumatic stress disorder, 
which affects 7.7 million adults, uh, major depressive disorder, persistent depressive disorder, and then other related illnesses. So you can have a co-occurrence of anxiety around bipolar disorders, eating disorders, headaches, irritable bowel syndrome, which is my issue, uh, sleep disorder, substance abuse, uh, adult ADHD, uh, body dysmorphic disorder known as BDD, chronic pain, fibromyalgia, and stress. And anxiety disorders present in children about 25% of children between ages 13 and 18 are currently being diagnosed with anxiety. Well, it, what's interesting to me too, and I think this is why a lot of times people don't seek any help. Um, I was actually in a room full of 10 high schoolers and somebody said something about anxiety and two of the kids popped up and were like, what? I don't even understand why they talk about anxiety. Like we're just stressed. People are just stressed. I think they need to stop putting a label on it. You know, so it was just their perspective. And then one of the girls I've been working with who struggles with anxiety, she was in the room Mm -hmm. and I talked to her later and I was like, how did you feel about that? And she's like, they don't understand. Like it is a real thing and I can't control it. It's, it's, it's beyond just, Oh, I'm stressed out. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because there is a normal propensity to worry and stress that all human beings on this planet will struggle with. Yes. God says it in his word. And, and the, there, there's probably a bunch of verses that everybody just automatically comes to, you know, the Philippians four verse that talks about, uh, be anxious for nothing, but in mm-hmm. everything by prayer and petition, bring your request before the Lord. And so even if I just go straight there in the NLT translation, it says, picking up at verse four of Philippians four, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Then verse six says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you Mm -hmm. live in Christ Jesus. And so there is a, a daily discipline for all of us to take our, our anxious thoughts, our worries, give them to God verbally in, in, a, in a silent prayer, in a written prayer, in an out loud prayer. God, I give you this. I give you this. I give you this. Tell him about everything and anything. Tell him what you need, but then also thank him for what he has done. And I think that one of the ways that we who are not suffering from a clinical diagnosis of anxiety Mm -hmm. can function in a very practical way is to say, God, I give you this and I thank you for this. And that it has to be these two pillars of request and thanks at the same time, because it's the reminder to the mind and the heart that God provides that minimizes the anxiety in the moment. Well, because it's taking, um, taking the focus off of ourselves then and putting it back where it belongs on God. Because worry to me stems from a fear of the unknown mm-hmm. or a fear of what I can't control. So then I want to hold on to it more. And that becomes just the self-control issue that I think we, we all struggle with. Like you said, as humans, 
Like it's the whole continual daily surrender to a higher being who loves us and just trusting that he's going to take care of everything. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I, I love the idea of the twofold, you know, both open hands of here's my worry and here's my thanks to remind me of your blessings currently and in, in the past and the future and holding on to your promises. Mm-hmm. Um, but somebody who's, but somebody who's struggling with anxiety, yeah. it, it goes beyond this, but you know, this is a piece of the puzzle too, of, of just assisting them too and, and reminding because the worry and the fear, um, they become irrational. And that's the part that in somebody who's, anxious, the irrational right. takes over yes. versus somebody who has a healthier mindset that worry comes and it tries to consume us, but the rational mind and the truth of the matter, y- you can reason with yourself better. And that's, I think, you know, we're going to talk about some techniques to help to kind of break that pattern of the irrational so that you can stop and, and get back on the right track and back into a rational mindset. Yeah. And thinking. Right. Because one of the struggles that we've gone through in our family is that stopping the irrational thought, it doesn't to tell, to tell each other, well, just don't think that way has never, ever been effective. Right. And, And so some of what happens with anxiety is that worry feels so big inside Mm -hmm. that it, it starts affecting your body physically mm-hmm. and you find ways to deal with that anxiety that sometimes are not healthy. Right. So in Leah's case, and she's written about it on her blog and I can, and, you know, have permission to share. I wouldn't do that without her permission. Her anxiety wasn't diagnosed as anxiety straight up. She called us from college. This was the um, spring of her uh, freshman year of college And she said, mom, I need to talk. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? She goes, Molly said, if I don't call you, she's calling you. And I'm like, okay, give me a play by play. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, basically what happened was in that moment, what was manifesting was a food fixation and a body dysmorphia sort of thing and a fitness fixation kind of all together. Mm -hmm. She was in there. That, that was, she was trying to control what she could on the outside Mm -hmm. because she couldn't control or she didn't know how to process what was going on in the inside. Mm -hmm. And prior to her leaving for college, I could tell you right now, we could go all the way back to her as a young child and, and me playing the part in her life of kind of talking her off the edge of the cliff emotionally Mm -hmm like bringing her back down. And once I became a coach and I learned how to ask good questions from that point on, I just, I was her like go-to coach and counselor all through high school. And then, but in college she was, you know, we, we have a great relationship, but we don't talk every day of the week. And she didn't want that relationship. And I didn't want that relationship. Like we wanted to talk regularly and we, and connect by text or Voxer almost daily, but not like have a 45 minute conversation. And so she was internalizing all of the thoughts that had been going on in her head. And it was physically manifesting this way on Mm -hmm. the outside. For me, I could look at that situation and say, okay, 
at the moment, I thought that that was like, where I have a girl with an eating disorder right now. But right. you got her. And so if anybody finds themselves in that situation, here's what you do. Um, you make an appointment uh, to for the pediatrician or the general practitioner for health purposes, an appointment with a counselor and an appointment with a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. And within a month and a half, it was completely clear that her issue wasn't a eating disorder and it wasn't a, you know, a body dysmorphia issue per se. It was her just choosing this outlet as the mm-hmm. way to control what she couldn't control inside her heart and her head. And she um, came home from college. She finished the semester, you know, pretty well and got into uh, counseling with a local woman who was skilled in working with girls with anxiety and basically taught her to uh, do what I had been saying for years, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And, and, you know, Romans 12, so that's second Corinthians 10, five and Romans 12 to be transformed by the renewing your mind. So yeah. think truth, live truth, like not think right. lies, live lies. But that when the anxiety is coming on, rather than choosing unhealthy coping habits to manage the anxiety, move into the anxiety and, and, and see how strong you can walk through that. Hmm. So if the panic is, I'm going to get in the car and leave, I can't handle this situation right now. It's, I can handle the situation. I'm staying. I'm staying until the end of this. I'm staying until the end and the end of this. And when you have wins like that, right. It, it builds the confidence. And as the counselor taught Leah, she said, you get to bully the anxiety. The anxiety doesn't get to bully you. Mm-hmm. Which good. Is, it's good. It's good. And I had a number of professionals speak to us and say, you know, no, she doesn't not need medication because the medication that is available for people who are struggling, struggling with anxiety, once you go that route, it's hard to come back from it. Mm-hmm. You can. And for anybody who's suffering from anxiety or depression, you need to talk to your doctor about this. This is not right. what it's about, you know, ang- medicine is good. <laughs> when, right. And different people have different situations and stuff. Yeah. But the advice that we were given from multiple yeah. people was that the best first course of treatment with somebody who's not struggling with debilitating anxiety or depression Right. to do cognitive behavior therapy, which is thought life. Well, and I think though, the challenge with going the, the challenge I'm using air quotes with going that route is that it is work yes. and like how often we want the quick fix. Yes. We've talked about this on other episodes, you know, I mean, that's yes. why is there fast food? Because we want everything to happen quickly. You know, we want our right. relationship to, with God to just you know, suddenly reach this pinnacle that we're like Billy Graham. And so we're great. Um, and yet in order to get to a point in time where we can stand up on a stage and preach, if that's what God's calling us to do, like it's going to take the daily habit of spending time in his word and him cultivating and teaching us and developing us mm-hmm. and, and small moments of short talks here and there to then to we get to this point in time of a larger audience, you know, it's that kind mm-hmm. of thing, but that takes work. And the same thing with the anxiety and, and, and figuring out, you know, it might be, um, it might be totally the thought life, or we're going to talk a little bit later. There's going to be some aspects that maybe it's breathing techniques and maybe that doesn't work for you at all. And you need the essential oils and, um, that aspect. So 
it's, it's a process of taking time to learn what works and to not give up because it's, yeah. it's so easy to want to throw in the towel and say, this is hard. I don't like it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I just want it to go away. And yeah. we all do. I yep. would love it if the girls that I work with and my own daughter it would just magically go away. Yeah. Um, and I think it's so good that you mentioned the girls, your daughter, my daughter, um, me, all, all the women who are listening right now, like everybody's journey to the solution is going to look unique to their struggle. Mm-hmm. And there's not a prescription, right? The, the only prescription really is get professional help mm-hmm. and, and don't let it be debilitating to you. And if you don't have a clinical diagnosis, then the things that we're going to suggest are, are tools and tips, mm-hmm. techniques to try for a time. And if they work, then that's awesome. And if right. they don't work, then you need to go find more solutions. So, so, and you know, and I, let me say this too. I did a little, um, stat checking last night just for our more to be tribe. Okay. Um, the number one resource that we have had downloaded from more to be, mm-hmm. which didn't start at more to be, it started at elisapilliam.com is the 40 verses to calm an anxious, anxious heart. Mm-hmm. We have had that downloaded over 20,000 times in the last three years. Wow. Okay. So this is not like, uh, we can't separate the camps and say, Mm -hmm. that's not my problem. This is our culture's problem. Right. Mm -hmm. And then here, here's where it really got my heart. We have a more to be survey. So when you subscribe to more to be, you get an email and you have the chance to do the survey. Not everybody does it, but of the women that did the survey, 44% of the women who responded confessed they struggle with anxiety and worry. Mm which statistically is even higher than the national average, right? Right. And 45% are overwhelmed by their responsibilities. Yeah. So let's just call overwhelmed by their responsibilities as stress. Right. So almost half of our people are anxious, worried, and stressed. Yeah. It's a fabulous combination. Right. And yet we, okay. Oh, here's the other thing. Our tribe is primarily women in their 40s and older. Hmm. And so we are, the, we are the wise ones, right? We are the gray hairs. We are the ones that are supposed to understand how to live the full and abundant life that Jesus promises, who are supposed to understand his sovereignty and walk out his grace and understand his love. And yet we are stressed out, anxious, and worried and, and how are we then instructing those who are coming behind us? Yes. Like if that's, if that's our go-to, you know? Yeah. And I, I raised my hand, like mm-hmm. my health issues, I got diagnosed as with, you know, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. I've had an anxious stomach since I was in high school. I can tell you the events in which I was so stressed out that I was sick as a dog and my father used to say to me, Lisa, that's just normal. That's just like, that's just part of life. And, and, and that, that was his issue. It didn't have a diagnosis. It didn't have an explanation. And IBS is one of those funny, irritable syndromes yeah. to have because they can't really tell you what it is that's causing it. You have to experiment with your diet right. to figure out the irritants. I, I do have allergens. So that's part of the issue. But the stress piece of it 
is anxiety by another name. Mm-hmm. And so I have to do all of the things that we are suggesting, even though I don't have the diagnosis of anxiety on me because I don't manage stressful situations well. Right. My body takes it and suffers as a result of it. And so one of the things where let's get practical here. So one of the things I do is really work on my thought life and being self, mm-hmm. self-aware of my emotions. And I, I love this in verse eight of Philippians. Now, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right, pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. And so I, I think we can't experience that like peace that we're craving in our life if we allow our thoughts to run us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is really hard. That requires a lot of self-reflection, a lot of honesty, a lot of accountability, a lot of mentoring, a lot of um, time in the word. I mean, that's a, that's a full on battle. Yeah, it is. And so you had a suggestion for, for that. I, I would love for you to share. So I, I read this and I must admit, like I haven't, we've been doing other things with my daughter and some of the girls I've been working with, and I haven't tested this out, but I just think it's such a great idea. And the whole, the whole thought behind it is that worry pops up all the time, especially for somebody who's struggling with anxiety. Like it's just, they get thoughts and the fear sets in and it is all consuming. So having what we're going to call a worry box Mm. and so as soon as a thought pops into your mind, you can decorate this box or do whatever you want with it. But when a thought comes into your mind, a worry, a fear, you write it down and then you put it in the box. Mm. And, and it might not even be then like an envelope. Let's say you want to put it in your purse and it's just an envelope. But the whole idea then is that you're taking that worry and you're going to set it aside and say, I'm going to deal with this later. Mm. Because oftentimes when we have these moments, it, like I said, it just consumes us. And it's hard to process then. Mm -hmm. And when we give ourselves space and time, a lot of, a lot of the times, like that just kind of irons out and then it's not a big deal four hours later. Um, So giving yourself that space. um, So yeah, write it down, put it away and say, okay, I'm going to come to it later. And then when you come to it later, you can look through it and if it's no big deal, but your, your mind's going to be in a different place then. Mm. And hopefully you're going to be able to, again, like we talked about a little bit earlier, think through it rationally and look at the truth versus the lie of that worry yeah. and, and the irrational. So another concept that goes along with this is if, if you didn't want to write things down, but I truthfully, I think writing things down is so great, but um, saying, okay, well, I'm going to pick a time of the day. This is going to be my worry time. Mm. So let's just say that my worry time is from six o'clock to six 30 when I get home and I'm, you know, after eating dinner. So 10 o'clock, a worry comes up into your mind and you're like, Nope, sorry, it's not six o'clock yet. So I'm going to put this aside and then I will, I will deal with it later. So Mm. once again, it's kind of a way in a sense to to shortwire your brain, trick your brain to say, okay, sure. We can think about that 
you know, but yeah. this is not the appropriate time. Again, typically what happens with, with individuals who use this technique is that then when six o'clock rolls around, they've forgotten what they were worrying about. And so once again, that cognitive behavior therapy, the idea is that you're retraining yourself, that then you aren't, um, when a worry comes, instead of just focusing on it or to dealing with it and falling apart, you're retraining yourself that you can move past it much faster and it becomes less consuming during mm-hmm. your day. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great because you're, you're paying attention to your thought life and then mm-hmm. also uh, attaching an action to it. And right. so I'm taking the thought and I'm physically doing something with it as opposed to just, you know, saying to yourself, stop thinking that. And so uh, I had, I had a behavior that existed for a long time before I realized the root of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tuesdays and my family used to come over for dinner and I would fly into cleaning the house mode, like, Mm -hmm. like literally scrubbing hard the kitchen sink before my extended family came over and we saw a pattern and so because we noticed the pattern and we were able to drive to the root, I was anxious because I want the approval of my mom, you know, right. and I was stressed about conversation and at different points in our life, there was tension. And so even if I wasn't presently anxious about her that day, I had created a habit that was rooted in anxiety mm-hmm. and I had to create a new habit. And so in that case, I would have to say, no. You are going to, you know, put some worship music on and if there's stuff that needs to be picked up, pick it up, but you do not need to worry about this moment. Choose a, choose a different habit. And so that's another way to, to do it is look at when do you fall into a pattern? Mm, that's great. Behavior, right. And, and how can you choose a new behavior to help remind you of a new Mm-hmm. thought process a new pattern and and that at this point in my life that's how oils works for me and how it's working for my my girls you know my Leah um and, and at first I'm like oh this is a little quacky like I thought <laughs> you know I was a oil skeptic for years and years and years like they they've been introduced to me by lots of people and I was like you yeah, know whatever whatever and now like I drank the Kool-Aid yes I will do right. it but tell me more about it Yeah. So this is why Um, when I read this particular piece of information that basically, and I did all the research online to see if it was really true from a non-oil perspective, Mm -hmm. the olfactory system in, which is your sense of smell is uh, biologically, I think is the right word. It's located near your limbic system, which is in your brain, which controls your thought life in particular, the amygdala, which exists, there's two parts and it exists in two sides of, you know, in each side of the hemisphere of your brain. And it controls fear, anger, pleasure, plus memories. Hmm. And so that is why you can walk into your grandfather's old garage and you, you're like, oh, that smell. Or uh. you could show up in a new place and be like, what is that smell? And you have all these emotions that come flooding forth, right? Or you walk into the house and somebody's baking cookie or fixing dinner and they're like, ah, dinner. Smell engages emotional response. And so you can use 
smell as a way to trigger a new emotional thought process Mm. because our brains have plasticity, which means the Mm -hmm. ability to change our thought patterns. And uh, oftentimes if you talk to anybody about this process of like creating new thought patterns, the, the story is that it takes seven times for your dendrites, which are your like memory pathways to uh, carve out a new way of thinking. Right. So if you can enhance that process, why not? So for us, it's, um, it's not just diffusing the oils where like Leah will, uh, we can talk about bedtime routines because that's a huge thing. Okay. But I'll go into that with diffusing oils at bedtime. But I, I got these like amber color roller bottles mm-hmm. from Amazon in a 12 box and I filled it with different blends of oils that are meant for calming and relaxation and um, clarity of thoughts so like cedarwood's mm-hmm. really good for focus and lavender's good for relaxation and copaiba is really good for uh, just a sense of like mm-hmm. calm and it's an anti-inflammatory as well. And so I put, you know, four drops, six drops, two drops with some carrier oil of coconut or almond. And then I carry it with me and it's become, I call my, my favorite blend. I call my bliss blend Mm -hmm. and I have it in my purse and I put it on as my perfume in the morning. And when I'm feeling anxious or overwhelmed, whip it out and put it on. (laughs) And, and there are some specific oils, which I'm not going to go into that here. I mean, I'll, I'll put it links to it in the notes, yeah. the places that people can connect with me about, but there are specific oils that the combination of those oils used together are, uh, are having a powerful effect on Leah's calming and keeping her. It doesn't, um, it's not a bandaid, right? So it's not right. like there's, a, there's a bloody knee. You put a bandaid on, so that the wound could heal. It's not an after, it's more of a, you take your vitamins to stay, to keep your immune system boosted. You use oils to stay ahead of the, the, the stress that your body is feeling from your thought life per se. Well, and it's not a one and done. No, 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 no. It's a habit. Yeah. It's a, it's a new way. And as you were talking about just how our brains work and the plasticity, all I could think about was just how amazing God is though. And how we're, how we're designed, you know, what, what the devil wants to use for, for bad by, by, you know, making us anxious and fearful and worried about things. The beauty of though, that God can still redeem that because we are still able to create new ways of thinking. And, and he wants to, like we talked about, like yeah. that he wants to transform us by the way we think and by the way, what we smell and, and mm-hmm. it goes, it's a holistic whole body approach to what we're doing. I mean, honestly, just fresh air yes. um, is, you know, so refreshing. Well, it's yeah. like, together, but it's, it's refreshing and, and exercise that to clear the mind and get your lungs working. And so there's all kinds of things. Um, and we've used, I have used the breathing techniques a little bit more than the other, because once again, it kind of, it helps you to stop your body from, um, running into high gear. It was explained to me by one person that 
especially like with a panic disorder, you know, the whole fight or flight. Yes. There's a level of that that comes in with just anxiety. And so the body just starts to ramp up. And that's why, you you know, a lot of people will complain about um, stomach pains. They don't feel good. Um, They start crying uncontrollably. And it's like, I don't know why I can't stop this. Like, you know, I should be able to control it. It's because the body is just taking over and dealing with the stress and the fear and you're not in control of it any longer. Yeah. Yeah. So one, one thing then to do like is to, in order to stop that whole process is you focus on something else. So this is called a four square breathing technique. And what you do is that you breathe in while counting to four. And that's kind of then you visualize that you're drawing a box in your mind. So you breathe mm-hmm. in, count to four. So right, now everybody at, now. Yeah. <laughs> now we're at the top right corner, let's say. And then you're going to hold that and count to four and go across the top of the box. Then you're going to breathe out while you're counting to four and go to the bottom left corner of the box. And now you're going to breathe in and, well, actually, no, you'd hold it. Sorry. Hold it. And then um, count to four going to the right bottom corner. And you can do that as many times then. The whole idea is now you're counting and thinking about drawing while you're breathing. So it leaves you very little room (laughs) to focus on that worry or that thought at the moment. And you do it as long as you need to, to, to be able to kind of get past that moment. Yeah. So good. So good. And you're saying I went to an event, uh, especially for people who are struggling with anxiety that was led by counselors and the breathing technique, the, um, you know, using your senses uh, is exactly what you need to do. So sense of smell, sense of sight, touch. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a counselor say to me at one point, if you're in a high stress situation, you need to uh, make sure your clothing isn't an irritant Mm. because that's just adding to the stress you already feel. And I was like, "Uh, that's why I changed my clothes 18 times before a stressful situation. And I'm trying to find something that looks the appropriate part, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't irritate me because my body is already trying to work for me and say, that ain't going to work. Nope. That ain't going to work. You need to feel uh, comfortable in the skin you're in. And so I love how you said the whole part of it. So we've got breathing, we've got the benefits of getting our senses going. Mm -hmm. We've got taking captive our thoughts and engaging our mind. Um, and so I'm thinking we should round ourselves out with, uh, food and sleep, which people Mm -hmm. are going to be like, what? (laughs) Yes. We're not recommending those going together. (laughs) No, 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 no. So in terms of um, sleep, one recommendation is to have a really specific bedtime routine if you have a propensity towards anxiety. Okay. So that the, you know, the hour before you hope to be asleep by, you spend that time building out your routine. And so I have one friend who They pick out their clothes for the next day. Mm -hmm. They take care of making sure they've checked off everything on their calendar. Mm -hmm. And they do kind of the same thing every night. Uh, For Leah and I, we start diffusing about an hour before bedtime. I diffuse lavender and sometimes frankincense for sleep. Leah Mm -hmm. diffuses lavender and stress away. And so it's like, okay, body starting to shut down. Another um, 
really just universal recommendations, get off of screens an hour before bedtime. Mm -hmm. We can have a whole episode just on anxiety in social media, right? Oh my word. Yes. Um, and Does screen addiction. No. So plugging your phone in, in another room, having it shut down for me, I'm now back to having my phone in the bedroom, but plugged in across the room. Mm-hmm. So it's on for emergency calls, but it's yeah. not within reach for checking. Um, and then just like building out, like, do you do better if you take a shower at night rather than a morning? Like maybe you've never done that and you're stubborn like me and you're like, I don't want to do that. I don't have to do that for it. I just want the memory, right? You know, like just let the anxiety go away. <laughs> but if that is going to be a place where it, it's a place where I think when I'm in the shower and so it's uninterrupted space, right. let the brain flow and then get out and leave the thoughts in the shower until the next day. Well, and I know a lot of people don't do this anymore, but my daughter, like a warm bath yeah, works wonders for her. Yes. Yes. And you could add like Epsom salts with lavender into yes. that bath. And it can or be even great. just a few drops of essential oils. Yeah, right. So, so there's um, that, and then there's uh, food, which I'm not going to go there very much. But I will say this: sugar, red dye, um, preservatives. There's there's studies out there. You can go find them uh, that link increase in anxiety. Mm-hmm. with the what we consume and one of the best ways to just kind of take care of our bodies is to eat healthy whole foods yeah. you know I've been on my whole foods journey and uh our our family isn't um well our family is moving wholly in that direction so mm-hmm. even my kids who I thought would never be able to get off of the food that they were so accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not forcing them to stop things, but I'm introducing new things without pressure that they are learning to like and want. Like my son has just become a huge fan of pico de gaia on, you know, plantain chips. And who would have thought that would be something that he would consider right. good? And so that with hydrating lots of water, not over consumption of water where you're doing your body harm but just keeping your body hydrated can make a huge difference to minimize headaches and then to minimize the anxiety Mm -hmm. that comes with having a headache. Yeah, Yeah. I completely agree. And well, and I'm, and I'm not saying one way or the other, I don't want to know a lot of people, you know, their coffee or Red Bull or whatever caffeinated drink is like their go-to, but there's, there's studies with that too, of just, caffeine addiction. Yeah. And, and like you said, the water is, it's the purest form of what we're given to be able to take in. And, um, our bodies are the temple of God Yeah, and he made them. And if you, if you go back and look at the diet in the garden of Eden, yeah, like, I mean, if we're being honest, you know, and really like diving into the Bible, um, there's a lot to be said for that. And so I think all of those approaches, yeah. Um, I have kids who, I mean, they just, they live on caffeine. 
Yeah. To be honest, yeah. like they live and they're like, oh, I'm so stressed. I'm like, well, you know, and they're just popping another cause they haven't slept. And so let's just live on the caffeine and yeah. worry about them. I know. I know. And it's all, you know, with the 40 day sugar fast that kicked off in January and, and the, we, we had a podcast on that one. And Wendy talks about feasting on Jesus that we're fasting from fill in the blank to feast on Jesus. And I would say if there is anything in our lives that we feel like I can't, I can't not have that. I can't right. live without that. I can't make that change. I would say uh, you have just said hello to a lie from the pit of hell. Mm-hmm. Like God is not that small Mm-mm. that he can't empower you by the work of the Holy Spirit to say no to something that has become your God uh, for the sake of God being your God. Right. And it, it will it be hard. Yes, absolutely. Saying no to the things that have been our source of comfort, our security, yeah. our normal to change our behavior and live in a different way is not easy. Mm-mm. But because back to the brain, because the brain has plasticity, you can change. There's actually no, like that, that saying you can't teach an old dog new tricks is also a lie. Right. It was a psychological theory until the 1960s. The, the deal is it takes longer for an old dog to learn right. new tricks, but it doesn't mean that they can't. Well, and I think it goes back to balance, which I appreciated it when you, you posted something with the sugar fast yeah. and that you will have a dessert, but you have it when somebody else is around or when it's a family gathering. Is that yeah. correct? So I don't want to make don't sure. sugar alone. That's my right. hashtag. Don't sugar don't alone. Sugar alone. Um, yeah. And so, but you've reached a point in time where there's like a healthy mindset as to why you're doing it versus yeah. that it was a go-to because it was a fix, you know? And yeah. so I think that's a lot of the what, whatever it might be. Yeah. As long as it's not the fix, like, sure, you know? Yeah enjoy a dessert, enjoy a cup of coffee. Um, and we could go through a whole list of things that we enjoy, Yes, but is it controlling you? And like you said, is that, is it our idol? Is it our God? Right. Right. You know, and I like that you said balance because that's where I try to strive Mm -hmm. in allowing myself moments to feel anxious and stressed and say, I'm stressed about this. Like stress is not a dirty word. Our body and our mind will feel overwhelmed at times. That is not wrong to feel that way. But we're, if we're in a constant state of stress mm-hmm. and a constant state of anxiety, we're no longer benefiting the body that God gave us to steward. And we're not able to do the things he's called us to do. And so you have to kind of then pull it back and say, well, what's going on? And Instead of just doing what I have done my whole adult Christian life, which I wish I could redo, I made it always about the spiritual. It was always about just think biblically so you can live transformed. And I am 100% about thinking biblically so we can live transformed. That's our podcast and our mission. But thinking biblically means recognizing that we're not just mind, but we're also heart. We're also body. We're soul. We, we encompass the temple. You know, we are the temple of God with the presence of God living inside of us. 
And so what we put on our bodies and in our bodies matters as much as what goes into our thought life and comes out of our mouth. It's all one thing. It's, it cannot be compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. And so that for me is a brand new, ha, my brain has plasticity. I, I can prove it now. Right. <laughs> it's a brand new way of thinking in the last uh, six to nine months here. And so. Well, and it's that, taking you to a whole different level. It is. It is taking me to a whole different level. And it's taking me to a level of, um, I mean, I feel better yeah. physically. I sleep better. I, I'm not waking up with anxiety attacks over stressful things. Mm -hmm. I'm sleeping more soundly. Um, I am, I fit more comfortably in my clothes, regardless of the number on the scale. I'm more comfortable. Yeah. I don't, I don't lay awake at night stressed over what I ate that wasn't good for me and feeling guilty because I didn't take care of myself. Mm -hmm. So there's all that component of it. But there's also just the daytime component of like, it feels good to take care of the life God's given me mm -hmm. and not be neglecting a part of it for the sake of another part. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's hard. I know. It's hard. So I guess the last thoughts are when, when anxiety comes to your home <laughs> and you're the mama mm -hmm. and you are dealing with your own anxiety and your kids' anxieties, and your spouse's struggle with anxiety, whether it's clinical or not, yeah. um, one of the principles out there that has been conveyed to me is that um, your sense of like s sanity and peace helps those who are struggling with anxiety regulate. Yeah. So while you can't control somebody else's anxiety, what you do to steward your own self is actually beneficial to them. Mm -hmm. So like the airline steward says, mamas put the masks on your face first mm -hmm. so you can put it on your kids. I've heard so many moms say, I can't take care of myself right now because I need to take care of my child. And the reality is in this matter of anxiety, if your child is anxious, it is worth taking a step back and saying, how am I modeling that? How am I creating a, a difficult environment for them to be in because of my own issues and what could I do to kind of create a place of peace? So you might not be able to get your teenage child to go to bed at a reasonable hour because you can't force them to go to sleep. You might not be able to get them to eat the right kind of food. You might not be able to um, get them to change their thinking, mm -hmm. but how you respond to them and how you model it out and the environment that you create at home will have an impact on them. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, one other thing, as you were talking about this, I feel like it could seem maybe overwhelming that there's so much to change and to implement in your life to, mm. you know, to become this whole person and to have everything headed in the right direction, you know, start small. Yes. One thing. And then add something else because it is part of the journey to continue growing. And, um, and, and I mean, like you've experienced, you know, you didn't switch all the food stuff. It was one thing after another. And I know my own personal, um, we had tried to, 
I was raised a vegetarian, so like I haven't eaten meat. Um, so that wasn't a part of my life, but you know, I'd read some research and, and looking at going more plant-based and getting rid of dairy. And it did not happen overnight, mm -hmm. but like we dropped off one thing, like we stopped using eggs and my kids never liked eggs. So that was easy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, cheese was always a big thing in our house <laughs> yeah. and we, that was the last thing to finally go. And we still eat it sometimes, but like, yeah. it's not a, a weekly purchase on the grocery list. Um, but it started small. And now at this point in time, though, I eat sometimes and I'm like, it just doesn't taste as good because I've, I've gotten used to a new normal. Yep. But it, it wasn't just a, let's cut everything out and let's just start this. Yeah. Um, you know, so picking, picking one thing and you make that a new habit and then you add something else and suddenly you'll look back a year later and you'll be like, wow, yeah. look at, look at all that's been accomplished and that God has worked in my life to bring me to a different place through these small incremental steps. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I do think it starts with the mind. And so mm -hmm. it's that change of thought of I can in Christ, not I can't. Mm -hmm. And it's, 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 this is too much for me, but it's not too much for God. And it's beginning to make those kind of positional decisions in your thought life that will enable you to do what God is calling you to do in the next step. And, and, then, and that's the other piece of like yeah. keeping him in the forefront of asking him the direction he wants you to go. Yes. I mean, we've yes. offered so many like suggestions and, you know, you're doing whole, whole, uh, whole 30 mm -hmm. and, and I'm more a plant-based diet, but like, that's right for us. Yes. You know, God's led both of us to these different decisions through things we've read and other stuff we've come in contact with, mm -hmm. but that's because he's a part of the process. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're following his leading mm -hmm. and we're coming under wise counsel at, mm -hmm. at various points. We're seeking out wise counsel when we don't know what to do. And so that is where I really want to end on this yeah. is that Kaylee, you and I never pretend to be experts in this area no. whatsoever. We are relaying information that we have learned Across, and yeah. put into place the yeah. things that have benefited us. But ultimately, we want each person to seek God for mm -hmm. the answers and to seek their doctor yes. if, they, if they suspect a medical issue, to take the medicine that they prescribe, if that right. is what the doctors prescribe, to do the research to figure out what other ways that they can um, improve their overall mental health as, a, as, as an equal partnership with mm -hmm. improving their physical health. Yep. Because those two things kind of go hand in hand for us and for our kids and, and oh, yeah. entirely. So thanks for having this conversation with me. Thanks for suggesting it, that this was a good one for us to tackle. And I think I, I think we should close in prayer. I do have one last thought that's popped into my mind like three times. What that, is it? And you know my rule of threes. If it comes up three times, I have to say it. Yeah. So when I was back working in the dorm at the boarding school, I often mm -hmm. was in situations with girls that were having panic attacks. Mm -hmm. Notoriously happened at finals, midterms, right mm -hmm. before going home on breaks. Yes. Um, holidays. February was horrible. Like there were these standard, you just kind of knew who's going down. Like was kind of <laughs> the, 
you know, all hands on deck, who's going down. Right. And I say that because it's only when you work with 20 or 40 teenage girls at a time or teenage boys at a time, do you realize, oh, there's nothing new under the sun and we're going to see see a pattern. pattern. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's not personal anymore. It is like, there's no stigma with anxiety or panic attacks or depression or suicide or, you know, even getting pregnant out of wedlock or any of that stuff, because we've kind of seen it across the masses. So, um, one piece of advice I'd gotten years ago was don't let the can, the lid off the can after 10 o'clock at night when you're, when you're working with teenage girls, like 10 o'clock at night is not the time to have the heart to heart conversation and the real like heavy stuff, because it's hard to put the lid back on in order for them to quiet their thoughts, to go to sleep. And I was so mad at her at the time that she told me this and she was the school psych school counselor. I was like, if the Holy spirit wants to have a conversation at that time, then that's an appointment. I'm having the conversation. I will be there. Right. It wasn't until years later when I thankfully matured that I realized that she was right, that there is a time and a place for conversations with those that we love and care for when they're struggling and that not, we've talked about this on the podcast before, not everything needs to be solved before the sun goes down. Mm. Yes, we, we can't sin in our anger before the sun goes down. But we can agree to say, we're going to table this until tomorrow. You want to table this until tomorrow? We're going to table this tomorrow. And as parents, as moms, to be cognizant that we're not pricking something open in our children who struggle with anxiety when they're not in a place to deal with it. And that sometimes it might be that they need to talk to somebody else who's going to say the same thing we've said in order for it to actually be heard. Yeah. Well, and another, like kind of going along with that is that you giving them space, you know, there's been moments where we want to talk about something because we're in the tail end of like an anxious moment. And so trying to teach, you know, okay, well, how could we do this differently? She's not in any place to talk about that right now, you know, and giving space to let everything kind of calm down and then circle back around and and talk about how things could have been approached differently or encourage her that you did a good job like you, mm-hmm. you made it through but in the moment even saying you made it through like it's still the tears one and then go what i didn't make it through. you know this is so hard yeah well but then looking at it when a couple hours later there's more recognition of that was hard but i i did come out on the other side yeah and that's a more teachable moment than trying to address it in right at the, when it's happened. Um, but I think that goes back to, we want, we want things to like be resolved. We want want things to be dealt with and giving time and space is not, is not a bad thing. It's a very good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I call it attentive, uh, attention, right? Mm -hmm. So like you're paying attention to what's going on. You haven't checked out and said, well, fine, I'll just deal with you later. Right. You're paying attention and you're going to, as a parent, follow up with them at the appropriate time, but also giving them space to breathe and, Mm -hmm. and then realizing you're not their savior. Mm -hmm. And that part of the healing work that's going to happen in their life is going to maybe require some other people involved in that process. And so prayer, mm -hmm. cover it all in prayer. Prayer is key. 
Yeah. Prayer is key. Good. So will you close us in prayer and then I'll close us out? Yeah. Right. Dear heavenly father, we just come to you and we thank you for how you have made us. You have made us beautifully uh, created and with such um, an amazing body and mind. And we just ask that we would use all of that for you, that we would create a, or come to you with a holistic approach to how we um, just conquer the lies that get thrown at us, the fears, the worries that try to overwhelm us, that we would keep you at the center, that we would take things that maybe tips that were shared today, and that you would just help us to grow as women who are filled with the Holy Spirit and who are not fearful, but who are courageous and bold and who can work through whatever battle that we are facing. Help us to be gracious to those who are struggling with anxiety in our homes um, and to just continue to model your love and acceptance and that you would give us wisdom to guide them. We love you so much and thank you for all of your many blessings in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. And thank you everyone for listening to the More to Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. If you'd like to show support for the ministry of More to Be and our podcast, we'd love for you to become a More to Be Sisterhood Circle member. You'll be blessed with our signature courses and resources while being a blessing to others. To learn more, visit moretobe.com for a special link just for our listeners. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, we hope that you will take the time to leave a review, share it with your friends and family members, let them know this is something to tune into. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.